So here we are on week two of a King's story. And um, Pastor Chris had, had talked last week from First Samuel about how Samuel was told to, to go and to anoint a new king. And he, he invites Jesse out with him and um, to, to do this sacrifice and um, tells him, you know, consecrate yourself. And so Jesse consecrates himself and his sons and, and they're there. And Samuel, it's, it's like he just goes down the line and God's like, nope, it's not this one. Nope, it's not this one. Nope, it's not this one. And Samuel's like, well, is there anybody else, you know? And Jesse's like, good. Our youngest, you know, he's out in the field taking care of the sheep. And Jesse, and uh, Samuel's like, well, bring him on out. And so here's little David and he stands before Samuel and God's like, this is the one. And he reminds them, you know, man looks at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart and this man has the heart that I can use. And um, so how many of you with a show of hands would say, God's placed something in my heart. There's something that there's a promise. There's a seed that he's placed in. There's something that he's wanting to do. How many of you can raise your hand? Maybe it's in your career. Maybe it's education. Maybe it's ministry. Maybe it's something in your family. But you know, I've, God just placed this seed of promise inside of me. Okay, so how many of you would raise your hands and say, I've already received that promise that, that God showed me? Okay, a couple of you. All right, how many of you would raise your hands and say, I'm still waiting? How many of you would raise it higher and say, I'm impatiently waiting? <laughs> that would be me sometimes, right? So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. What do we do when our current circumstance, when our current situation just doesn't seem to line up with the promise that God's given us? What do we do while we wait? So I want you guys to stand up with me. We're going to jump into God's word this morning. If you would turn to 1 Samuel Chapter 16, we're going to start in verse 14. If you're there, say, I am there and I am ready. Bring it. <laughs> so now the spirit of the Lord had turned away from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Then Saul's servant said to him, look, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord instruct his servants who were here before you to look for a man who knows how to play the liar. Then whenever the evil spirit from God comes upon you, he can play the liar and you will feel better. So Saul said to his servants, find me a man who plays well and bring him to me. One of his attendants replied, I have seen a son of Jesse in Bethlehem who knows how to play the liar. He is a brave warrior and is articulate and handsome for the Lord is with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son, David, who is out with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a container of wine, and a young goat, and sent them to Saul with his son David. David came to Saul and stood before him. Saul liked him a great deal, and he became his armor bearer. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Let David be my servant, for I am very pleased with him. So whenever the Spirit from God would come upon Saul, David would take his lyre, play it. And this would bring relief to Saul and make him feel better. And the evil spirit would leave him alone. Father God, we ask, Lord Jesus, that you transform us today. Lord Jesus, whatever it is that you're wanting to do inside of us today, we invite you to do that. Change us. Mold us. 
Make us more like you today, Lord God, as we dig into your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So at this point, we see that Saul is still king. He's still king, but there's something different. And what's different is, is that the anointing of God is no longer on Saul's life, but now it's on David's life. And instead of him having that anointing of God on his life, he's now dealing with this, this spirit that is tormenting him. And obviously, it, it's, it's very obvious to those around him. They're, they're either noticing it, or maybe Saul is sharing with them that, that he is seriously being tormented. Because we see that, that one of his attendants speaks up and he's like, look... I've got this idea. I, I just feel like maybe if we could find somebody to, to come in and play some music for you, maybe some calm music would just kind of make you feel better, kind of give you a little bit of peace, mellow you out a little bit. And so I was like, okay, well, if you can find somebody that's decent, you know, find somebody that that's plays well, then by all means, you know, bring them in here. And one of his attendants speaks up and he's like, hey, I know a guy. I know this guy that is brave and he is handsome and he is faithful. And you know what? Better yet, the Lord is with him. And so Saul sends for this guy and David shows up and David comes in and he likes David. David plays well and, and he's all that, that, that this attendant described him of as, and, and he sends a message to Jesse and he's like, Hey, I really want this guy to stay here with me. I want him to be my armor bearer. And so we're not sure how long it had been since Samuel had anointed David to be king. But what we do see here is that David is doing what? He's out in the field. He's still taking care of these sheep. And so David is learning firsthand that God's promises don't always happen right away. That sometimes there's a process. Sometimes there's this wait that we have to go through. And we see that David is waiting patiently. And he's walking through this process one step at a time. And there's three things that I want to point out this morning about what David does while he's waiting. And the first thing is that David trusted the process. Will you guys say that? Trust the process. So... We don't know how old David was when Samuel anoints him, but we do know that he was young. And we also said that he did not become king overnight. David had become his, had, had just started. He had begun his process from being shepherd boy to king. How many of you know that there's a process for a lot of things that we go through in life? So there's a process at the doctor's office. When I walk into my doctor's office, I know that when I walk up to the check-in window, the first thing they're going to say is, do you have your insurance card? Right? And so what do I do? I've come to expect that process. I have my insurance card in my hand ready to show to them. There's a process at the DMV. I've come to expect it. Part of the process is waiting in line for a very long time, right? And then I know that I'm going to have to go back home about 25 times and come back before I have all the proof I need that my middle name starts with the letter M. You guys know what I'm talking about. And so then you've got Chick-fil-A and they have the best processes of all time because it's probably the only fast food restaurant that when we pull up and we see that the line is wrapped three times around the restaurant, it's out into the road. We're like, oh, I'll be out of here in no time, right? And you usually are. 
Any other fast food restaurant you pull up to has probably got like three cars in the line and you're saying, there is no way I'm going to sit here all day long because they have their process down. Now, if we could just have Chick-fil-A work on DMV's processes, we would be good to go. But why is it that we can, we can accept these processes that we deal with throughout our lives day by day, but then when it comes to the things of God... And when he gives us a promise or he gives us a little bit of glimpse of what he has for us in the future, we're like, I want it right now. Like, I got to have it now. We we suddenly lose the patience. We suddenly lose the respect for, well, this process is in place because it makes things organized. No, we want it right now, right? It's like, like, God, I know that you've called me to, to write this book and I'm 10 pages in and I have nothing else to put down. I don't even know what else to say. Or God, I know you've called me to, to, um, to be an attorney, but I don't even have the money to go to school. I don't even know what to do. God, I know that you've called me to preach and it's been six days and nobody from Hope Community Church has called me yet and invited me up on the platform to preach. I mean, I was on Hope Online last Sunday and I typed hallelujah into the chat box four times. Nobody's responded yet. I don't know. I mean, you do let Chris Jones up there. I mean, come on, right? (laughs) Sometimes we have to wait. David had to go through a process and David trusted the process. Verse 19 says, Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son, David, who is out with the sheep. David wasn't in his tent trying on crowns, trying on robes, trying to figure out, you know, which, which robe color looked best with his eyes. He was out doing the same thing that he had been doing when Samuel came to him, anointed him as king. He was out taking care of the sheep. If you continue to read through the life of David, we find out that when David decides, hey, I'm going to face this giant named Goliath, and they're like, dude, are you crazy? Have you lost your mind? He's like, God was with me when I defeated the bear. God was with me when I defeated the lion. He's going to be with me here. It was all part of the process. The process of the bear prepared him for the process of the lion, and the process of the lion prepared him for the process of facing Goliath. It all prepared him. Day by day, every season of our lives can prepare us for the next season. And notice that I said can, not will. Because you guys remember the story of the Israelites? So I talked about that last time I was here. They had also been given a promise, right? They had been given a promise, but what happened? They allowed fear to get in the way and steal their promise. So instead of them receiving it, their descendants received it. Sometimes our choices in the moment can be the very thing that causes us to be stuck in that moment. Maybe it's time instead of saying, God, when is it my turn? When am I ever going to see this promise that you've given me? We say, God, what do you have for me right now? With the gifts, the talents, the resources, the time that you have given me, what can I do with it today? What can I do with it right here, right now in this very moment? In the process, there's going to be detours and there's going to be delays. Who has been on a road trip this summer? Anybody go on a road trip? Okay. And did anybody get stuck in traffic? Okay. So we can expect that when we go on road trips, especially long road trips, more than likely we're going to get stuck in traffic. Sometimes there are delays. 
Sometimes we just sit there and it's like we're not going anywhere. Sometimes there's detours. We see there's either construction or there's an accident up ahead. And so we jump off the exit and, and we have to go the opposite direction. Sometimes it's further than others. Sometimes God is going to take you in the opposite direction of that promise because there's something there that he's wanting to do inside of you to prepare you for that promise. There's times that, that we have to get off on the exit ramp to get gas, right? Because my tank is empty. And sometimes I have to go way out of the way to get gas. And that can be very frustrating. But if I don't get gas, I'm not going to reach my destination. Sometimes God takes us way out of the way. But if I'm not obedient and trust him and follow him way out of the way, then I'm not going to receive what he's wanting to put into my life that's going to take me to prepare me for that destination when I get there. What am I supposed to do, God, with what you've given me right now? So I remember watching some movies sometimes where you have this family that is traveling in their car and they get lost. And they're out in the middle of nowhere. There's no stop signs. There's no stop lights. There's nobody to be seen. And finally they see this little rundown gas station on the side of the road. And so they pull up in this gas station. And the gas station attendant comes out and they're like, we're trying to get to this place. This is our destination. We are lost. We don't know how to get there. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, 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 I, I know that place. But um, you can't get there from here. And they're like, what? what do you mean we can't get there from here? Has anybody ever felt that way about the promise that God has set before you, the destination that you're going? You're like, okay, God, I see what you're saying. I see what it is that you're saying I'm going to do, where you say I'm going to be. But I don't see how I'm supposed to get there from where I'm at right now. There are a lot of moments in a day. Would you guys agree with me? And a lot can happen in a moment. Life enters this world in a moment. Life leaves this world in a moment. We can have joy in a moment. A moment can create pain. It can create frustration. A lot can happen in a moment. But we need to learn to embrace and trust every moment in the process as we work towards the goal that God has placed in front of us. Because just like with, we learned with the Israelites that a moment can change everything. In Psalm 118.24, it says, This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. God has given you today. Instead of me complaining that I don't have what I feel like I should have, that I'm not where I feel like I should be, I should rejoice that I am right where I'm at because God has me here for a purpose. David served the king day after day, and I'm sure there were probably days that he's sitting there playing his instrument wondering how much longer. He can almost envision himself sitting in the seat where Saul is sitting. But here's what I do know is that he was faithful in the process. And that's the second thing I want to point out this morning. I want you guys to say, be faithful in the process. Verse 18 says that one of his attendants replied, I have seen a son of Jesse in Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He's a brave warrior. He's articulate and handsome for the Lord is with him. David was doing things in such excellence that the people around him were taking notice. This was a time well before Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube. He's not out in the field taking selfies with his sheep, you know, hashtag 
sheep life, shepherd life. You know, he's not doing that, right? I mean, he was doing things in such excellence that, that there was word of mouth. There were people taking notice. They were hearing about David. They were seeing about David. Saul had brought David in and had a discussion with him about being in his service. Here David was, anointed to be king. I mean, just imagine his, him, him in the back of his mind. I mean, he'd probably been out in this field just kind of playing all this out in his mind. Like, what am I going to do when I'm king? You know, what's that going to look like? What am I going to have, you know? And then, and then Saul brings him in and he's like, look, you know, I want you to be my armor bearer. I want you to play this liar. And, you know, David could have, could have easily been like, look, Saul, you know, this, this whole armor bearer gig, you know, it sounds really, really cool and all, but, um, dude, you're in my seat. Like, you know, that, that's my seat. You know, I have the anointing now, you know, but that's not what David did. In fact, we know how faithful David was to Saul because the Bible tells us that, that Saul wanted him there. He sent a message to Jesse. He's like, hey, I want him to be here with me. I want him to be my armor bearer. He accepted his current situation, his current position, and he did it in excellence. There was a young man that was born in 1863 into a wealthy family. But due to some unwise financial transactions, his father lost his fortune. After his father's death, this 17-year-old boy went to work for Minneapolis and St. Louis Railway to support his mother and his sisters. When a local jeweler refused a shipment of gold watches, this young man accepted the unwanted watches. At this point, the United States had just implemented time zones, and he knew that watches were going to be in high demand, and he began to sell them by letter to other station agents, farmers, train engineers, and passengers at a low price. With the $5,000 profit that he earned, he started a mail-order watch business under the name of R.W. Sears Watch Company. This company changed and it grew over time into what we all know now as the Sears Roebuck Company, selling a wide range of goods. At the time of his death in 1914, Richard Warren Sears was said to have gained a fortune worth of around $25 million. This was the young boy who had, was born into wealth, had seen the wealth disappear, and was in such desperate situation that he had to go to work and support his mother and his sisters. And he could have easily said, you know what? I, I know there's something inside of me that I'm supposed to be doing, but it just, it doesn't look right. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like, like I'm going anywhere, but you know what? He gave it all that he had. He gave it all that he had. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it with enthusiasm as to the Lord and not for people, because you know that you will receive your inheritance from the Lord as their reward, as your reward. What David did for Saul, he didn't do for Saul. What David did for Saul, he did for God. He was faithful as he served Saul. In Luke 16.10 It says, the one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And the one who is dishonest in very little will be dishonest in much. This particular passage is following a parable that's that's referring to to money. But how many of you know that if, if your neighbor has kids that are always filthy and running around, fighting, destroying things causing havoc in the neighborhood. Some of you guys are like, she just described my kid to a T. (laughs) 
then when it comes to date night, you're probably not going to be calling up your neighbor to babysit your kids. You know what I'm talking about? You're going to be, okay, I'm calling grandma because they're not watching my kids. Unless it's like your fourth kid and then you're just like, I don't care if we go out to McDonald's. I don't care who watches my kid. I need some time away. But how could Dave, how could God trust David to shepherd a kingdom in excellence if he was not able to shepherd a sheep in excellence? How could God trust David to be king if he could not push back pride and serve the king that was already sitting there on the throne? He was in a growing process. He had to prove his faithfulness right where he was. How can God trust you and me to carry out the promises that he has given us in excellence if we're not faithful with what he's already given us, if we're not faithful with where he's already planted us? So we brought this plant here this morning. This is Lenny, and Lenny is a lemon tree. I had to laugh this morning because my husband, we were talking about naming this tree, and my husband says, yeah, I I thought about naming him Larry, but I thought that was more fitting for a cucumber. (laughs) And I was like, that's hilarious. I love that. Anybody whose kid grew up with veggie tails, you'll, you'll get it later on. But this is Larry. And so most seeds... They start out in ideal growing conditions. They are in fertile soil and they have plenty of water and and there's nutrients and there's plenty of sunlight, but not Lenny because Lenny started out in our bathroom sink drain. So one day my husband was shaving and he's like, what is this green thing sticking out of the drain? And he reaches down, he says, what's sticking out about that front? He says, I reached down and pulled it out and it was a plant about this big with the little lemon seed at the bottom. And so a lot of times when I'm getting ready in the mornings, I'll have my cup of water in there and I'll just dump it down the sink before I leave and take off. And evidently one of my lemon seeds had gotten stuck in the drain, which means we probably need to clean our drains and, (laughs) and had decided to sprout and grow. Right. So Lenny being in the sink drain could have been like, look, there is, there is something inside of me that says I'm supposed to be strong. I'm supposed to produce lemons. My life is supposed to produce fruit. And here I am in this nasty drain. I have hardly any light. There is absolutely no soil. And the only water I'm getting is a combination of toothpaste and mouthwash. <laughs> and he could have given up. He could have been like, I just don't see it happening. I don't see how I'm supposed to get from where I'm at in this nasty sink drain to a strong, healthy plant producing fruit. And you see, you and I can learn something from Lenny because there's a lot of times that that we are, we can take a look at our current situation and we can see where I'm at right now. And we can say, I don't know how in the world that I'm supposed to get there from where I'm at right here. But Lenny decided to take root and to do his best right where he was. He decided to grow where he was planted. There's going to be seasons that that it just doesn't look ideal. But if we choose to give our best and grow right where we're at, at just the right time, God's going to come along and he's going to pluck us out of that sink drain. And he's going to place us in the soil and we're going to begin to grow in that next step of the process that he has for us. Part of being faithful in the process is understanding, get this, that it's not all about me. It's not all about me. Sometimes 
the growth in your process is coming from you helping somebody else. Look at David. Here David is playing this lyre for Saul, which brought him peace in the moment. You guys have probably seen where they have like these team competitions on TV and they might be doing um, some kind of like race and obstacle course and, and there's this wall that they have to go over. And so you'll see like the largest, strongest person will stand at the bottom and they'll wait at the bottom of the wall. And as their teammates come by, they'll kind of give them a boost and they'll help them over that wall. Sometimes that's what God wants us to do. Sometimes he doesn't want us to run ahead, but he wants us to wait And he wants us to recognize our team that's around us. And we're supposed to give them a boost and help them get where God's called them to be. Help them fulfill the promises that God has put inside of them. David could have, could have easily sat there and been like, look at him stuffing his face. Those are my grapes. Those are my grapes he's eating. But that's not what David did. When I was younger, I dreamed of being a nurse. That, that was my goal. I had taken some classes when I was in high school and God took me a different direction. But several years back, there was a friend of ours that was like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to nursing school. I'm, I'm going to fulfill my dream to become a nurse. And I was along with everyone else like, yeah, that's awesome. That is great. But I'm going to be honest with you after a while hearing about what she was accomplishing at Jealousy started to set in and envy. And I'm like, you know what? That was my dream. That was my dream. Here I am with four young kids pulling at my pants legs. I don't have time to brush my teeth or my hair, you know, and here she is going to nursing school, fulfilling my dream. And God spoke to my heart one day and he checked me on that. And he's like, look, you're right. That, that was your dream. But that was your dream for you, not my dream for you. I have something else in place for you. So we have to be willing to step back and to cheer someone else on, even if it's our dream that they're achieving. Because God has something for us. The last thing I want to point out is that we need to keep our focus on him. Can you guys say that? Keep your focus on him. In Hebrews 3, it says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. David became king of Judah when he was 30 years old. But his reign did not stop there. Because when he was 37 or 38, he then became king over all of Israel. But what if David had said, you know what? I have arrived. When he walked in and he's like, okay, I'm now king of Judah. I'm going to sit on my throne. I have arrived, God. Thank you for your help getting here. I've got it from here. I've got this. He would have totally missed out. We have to keep our focus on God because until we take our last breath, he's not done with us. There's going to be, that process is never going to be done. There's going to be promise after promise after destination after destination. And we will completely miss out if our eyes are focused on those destinations rather than on Christ. Matthew six thirty four says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has trouble of its own. When my focus is on tomorrow, I miss the moments of today. I miss what God has for me today. I miss what God wants to do in and through me today when my focus is always on tomorrow. Jesus had a tremendous goal set before him. 
Jesus trusted the process. Jesus was faithful in the process. He kept his focus on God, but he did not miss the moments. In Luke, we read that when his parents came looking for him as a child, his response was that he was about his father's business. This meant that his focus had to be on his father. How am I going to go about my father's business if my focus is not on him? If I don't know what his will is for my life? Some of you might be here this morning and you're like, well, I don't know. I don't know what God's will is for my life. I don't, I don't even know how to hear from him. And I, I just, I just want to say that the voices that we recognize the most are the ones from people that we've been around the most. If my, 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 um, father were to call me up on the phone, he wouldn't have to say, Hey, faith, this is your dad. Because I recognize his voice. I've been around him enough to know that that's my dad. If you're in a place this morning where you just need to know, you need to hear from God. And I, and you just need to know how to hear his voice. I want to encourage you, focus on him. Spend time with him. Jesus was able to carry out and accomplish what he was called to do because he was in God's presence regularly. His focus was on his father. When your focus is on God, he's going to give you what you need to be faithful in the process. He's going to give you what you need to, to follow and to walk in all that God has for you. Focus on him. I'm going to invite the band up this morning. So when we first moved to Berkeley Springs, there was um, a tunnel out in Paw Paw, a canal tunnel that we had heard about. Anybody walked that tunnel out in Paw Paw, West Virginia? So we decided on a whim that we're going to go out and we're going to walk this tunnel. And we had maybe a half a bottle of water. It was very hot that day. We set on our journey in this tunnel and realized there's like potholes everywhere. We didn't have a flashlight. We were not prepared for this journey. And so we had turned our phones on to the flashlight mode so we could see where we're going. So we're not tripping in all these potholes. And we walked and we walked and we walked some more and we kept walking and you could see the end of the tunnel, but it just really did not look like it was getting any closer. We're out of water. The battery's dying on the phone, so we're not going to have any flashlight. We were tired, we were hot, and we're like, this is just taking forever. And so we did what many people would do at that point. We just gave up and went home, right? We went home to the AC. But here's the thing. We had gotten tired. And the more tired I got as I walked the more I would look at the end of that tunnel, the more I would look at that destination. And sometimes I would turn around and look behind me like, are we getting anywhere? You know, and I would look behind me and I'd say, okay, yeah, we, we've done a lot. We've come a long way. We have walked. We've obviously put a lot of work into this and we've come a long way. But then I look back up at the destination and I'm like, that does not look any closer. It's not getting any closer. And see, the problem is, is that when we take our eyes off of the promise keeper and put it on the promise that we can easily give up, we can become frustrated. We can say, I have worked so hard. I have given it all that I am, all that I can. God, when are you going to do your part? Because you gave me that destination. I can see it. I can see that destination. I know what it is. But as much as I've given, it just doesn't look like it's getting any closer. 
And I don't know that I can give any more. I don't know that I have any more strength. I'm tired. I'm frustrated. And God's like, just keep your eyes fixed on me. Because that promise, that destination, that is not your source. Because on the other side of that destination is another one. The other side of that promise is another promise. It's not your source. God's like, make me your source. Keep your eyes fixed on me because I'm the one that when you get tired, I'm going to come at the right time and pluck you out of that sink train. And I'm going to set you back on that course. I'm the one that's going to take you to that destination. You're never meant to go to that destination without me. It is in your DNA. Just like it's in the DNA of this seed to grow and produce fruit. It is in our DNA to need him to fulfill all that he has for us. He's like, just focus on me. I'm the one that's going to help you trust the process. I'm the one that's going to help you be faithful in the process focus on me.